every haunted place has a story with a dark past. This is Ghost Encounters Podcast. Welcome back, all you spooky people, to the Ghost Encounters Podcast. I am paranormal investigator Justin Torok. And I'm Jordan, the group scientist. I'm Hannah, your death-obsessed bestie. I hope everyone had a great spook miss. What do you like better, spook miss or creep miss? Creep miss. Oh, I like creep miss. I like creep miss. Creep miss? Okay, well, I hope everyone had a great creep miss. <laughs> uh, we are recording this before Christmas, but... Uh, oh, and Happy New Year! This is the first episode of 2024. And uh, on the first day of 2024. So if you're hungover and listening to us, thank you. Yeah. It's uh, allow the dulcet tones of our voices to uh, to soothe you through your hangover. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is season three, episode six, Haunted Asylums. Uh, We talked about one asylum before, Penhurst, which is close to us, only about an hour from us. There are a lot of great creepy haunted asylums throughout the entire globe yeah um so we got some wild stories on this episode so if you're uh if you get a little queasy or if uh, you don't want to hear some violent stuff this is not the episode for you yeah because there's some crazy stuff about to happen content warning definitely yeah because this is about to get upsetting it is so i have a trigger warning oh i'm gonna say before i start talking about one of my stories Uh uh-oh Pretty. It's like all of it, honestly. I just like I was reading it and I was like, I'm like upset. Yeah, <laughs> mine like too. This. I was like, I was like getting a little nauseated. I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah. No. There's one uh, really uh, kind of gross story in mind. Ugh. Yeah, it's all bad. But warn them before you start going into that. Well, this is your warning. <laughs> <laughs> We're already here. We're already here. Enjoy right. your hangover. Yeah. <laughs> So welcome, brave souls, to our spine-chilling journey into the decaying halls and shadowed corners of history's most haunted asylums. This is the journey into the unknown, where the echoes of the poor souls of the tormented, mentally ill, and criminally insane refuse to be silenced. My story is about a mental hospital in Australia. Actually, oh, cool. I decided to go outside of the U.S. We're and going pick one down in Australia. Under. Yeah, we are going down under. Um, it's uh, Aridel Mental Hospital. The Aridel Mental Hospital, also known as Arit Lunatic Asylum, was an Australian psychiatric hospital located in Arit, a rural city in Victoria, Australia. Aridel, along with its counterpart institutions Kew and Beechworth, uh, were established to provide refuge for increasing population of individuals labeled as "quote unquote." lunatics which uh, obviously that's not what we say now correct but that was the parlance of the time and of course you know around this time people who were considered lunatics weren't actually lunatics they just were either mentally ill or needed help or were just gross criminals the foundation of this somber asylum was laid in 1865 and by 1867 its doors swung open ready to admit patients into its solemn confines however many of these so-called patients never left still wandering around in anguish today. In the wake of gold's discovery in Victoria, I didn't know there was like a gold rush in Victoria, Australia. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that either. I thought they had, I mean, I know they have like 
opals in Australia. Mm-hmm. I know they have at least uh, precious stones. But yeah. They, no, they Every time I hear gold rush, I always think of like California, the West. You know, I never, yeah. never really thought of Australia, but I guess there was a uh, bit of a gold rush. I don't know anything about Australia other than that everything is bigger there, and their snakes eat sharks and weird shit and huge spiders. It fucking terrifies me. The place, <laughs> the place fucking terrifies me. And there's a conspiracy theory that it's not even real. Like, I people literally... are out there saying that's not what? real. I literally heard about that for the first time, like this morning. <laughs> like, where, where those people from? The like, what? They're in the Olympics, man. Like, those, yeah. Like, where where would they be? It doesn't like, make any sense. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, a tide of immigrants surged in, lured by dreams of riches, right? However, instead of wealth, many found only despair. With some tragically succumbing to madness, in these times, these individuals were deemed literally insane. And uh, they were placed in standard prisons. Uh, oh, no. And they didn't really get the care that they needed, right? If someone's like mentally that's... ill and they go to prison, they're not going to get the care that they, yeah. that they need. I feel like that's a theme for, like, a mental hospital. Yeah. yeah. Especially back in this back time. Back in the day, yeah. Recognizing this dire situation, the Victorian government uh, initiated the construction of Airedale in 1860, aiming to transfer these labeled as criminally insane from prisons and to ship them to uh, Airedale. By 1865, the first group of patients, referred to as inmates, were ushered into this newly built asylum. So the first people to, before like the door swung open to like, I guess like public bringing people in or bringing in your family member or whatever, Mm. the first group were literally prisoners that came to this asylum. And there's gonna be a recurring thing where a lot of prisoners, even really well-known ones, stayed in this asylum. Oh, damn. Yeah. Before long, Airedale also housed individuals suffering from mental illness. Many of these conditions uh, would be like postnatal depression, epilepsy, autism, Down syndrome. At its peak, the institution became a sprawling community, sheltering a staggering 1,000 patients with a dedicated staff of 500 tending to their needs in this huge, vast facility. Airedale was a self-contained world, as we know this happens with a lot of these asylums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It had its own market gardens, orchard, vineyards, even a piggery. A piggery? Yeah. I've never heard that <laughs> word before. It's kind of cute. <laughs> a little bit. I guess, it's, I guess a different word than like a pig pen. Yeah, you know. you know. More ominously, it had gallows, a morgue, and a graveyard. Airedale was a complex of a sprawling 63 structures. Its courtyards uh, encircled by deceptive ha-ha walls. Yes, they were called ha-ha walls. Uh, It was a design typically in early Victorian asylums. To the outside observers, these walls appeared to be deceptively low, masking any sense of confinement. Yet on the inner side, uh, there was a trench and it rendered these walls unfathomably high to even consider trying to get over. So from the outside, you see a wall that's not too high. So it gives us appearance like, oh, this isn't like a prison. That's just like a, a decorative wall surrounding the complex. <laughs> but when you look at it from the here. inside, there's literally like a steep declining trench at the wall. Jesus Christ. So you literally, it goes all the way down to where the wall starts and you're looking up at this huge wall so it's a deceptive that's why they call it a haha wall uh, okay because yeah. i've heard i've heard the term haha before but i didn't actually know what it was gotcha so, 
Now I know. Yeah. And it's even worse than I could have expected. <laughs> exactly. I never heard of that before. In the chilling winter of December 1886, the mental hospital unveiled its most foreboding section, J Ward. This ward was specifically fashioned for those who, under normal circumstances, would be confined in jails or reformatories, yet were deemed insane. So these were violent criminals that were considered insane. Yeah, I was going to say, why aren't they in jail? But I could see they just moved them because they had something else going on. It became the holding ground for the most infamous and dangerous criminals, a place where uh, notoriety and madness intertwined. Among these... uh, people were notorious figures such as Gary Webb, Mark Chopper Reed, and William or Bill Wallace, each adding to the ward's dark and unsettling legacy. Let's take a look at some of these people that were at this quote-unquote mental asylum, because really right now it sounds like this is a jail. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is prison and possibly torture. So this is where um, some of these stories are going to get a bit graphic, especially the first one. Don't read ahead. Damn it. I want you to be surprised. I want to get your reaction. Um, But this first story is definitely one that's a a, a bit gross. So we're going to start with Gary Webb. A hardened criminal with a lengthy record met his fate at Aradell following a violent incident during a pizza shop robbery. In a desperate attempt to evade capture, he shot a police officer. He survived, the police officer, uh, but he was captured and sentenced to 14 years. Well, he deserves that. Webb's behavior while he was in Airedale, took a sinister turn. He penned letters to the media filled with gruesome threats for when he would be released, describing uh, the disgusting things that he would do in public. And they deemed him that he was public harm, that actually a unique law was actually enacted to ensure his permanent confinement in Airedale. So he was sending letters to the media describing disgusting, horrible things he would do to people when he gets out. So he's so, legitimately 100% dangerous yes. and letting people know that he's dangerous. That he's very yeah. dangerous. So the, the, the government was like, all right, well, let's make a law to make sure he just stays locked up. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's just yeah, maybe yeah, a little better for everyone. Because they can't himself, technically keep yeah. him locked up for no reason. So they had to make some kind of, I don't know what the exact law is, uh, but they made a law to make sure that he uh, stayed like, there. Probably didn't... for something about public harm and and yeah. Like that. Well, I just, mean, if he had something mentally, like, like mental health wise, wrong with him, where he was acting out, I guess that's yeah. really not. His well, thing. he but starts. They didn't know that stuff. He starts acting out even more. Okay. Webb's time was marked by extreme self harm. No. Resulting in over seventy hospitalizations, and cutting off his penis three times. My God, three. Wh- What's there? He didn't cut all the way off so, the first time. Oh, he cut it off but the doctors were able to reattach it uh, twice. The third time... They were like, your penis privilege has been revoked. They should have just Well, here's what happened the third time. Okay. Uh, Oh, no. Oh, no! A guy... The... One of the workers were coming with... uh, I forget if if he was either breakfast, lunch, or dinner. They're coming with his food tray. No! They opened a little hatch to bring him his food tray, and they said, uh, food's up! And they hear... Cocks up and he slams his penis on the tray. Oh my god! And that was the <laughs> last time the doctor said it was too far gone to reattach. Oh! Uh, <laughs> I mean, cocks up. 
I guess we can't make a shirt with that, right? <laughs> oh my god! I'm sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm, sorry, I'm laughing too. But I am not laughing. I this am. person was seriously like messed up. Like he had yeah, a sense of humor with it, but I mean, still, he cut off his. Imagine you cutting know, off your penis three times. Well, it's that's... scary when funny guys are insane. I oh. need to say it. But uh, his tormented spirit is rumored to linger. In his old room. That's terrifying. Uh, aggressively confronting visitors God with damn. screams, forceful demands, especially when he screams at people to get out. At least he's keeping his penis to himself. Well, he, he doesn't have it, one. so yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to ever go there. <laughs> I don't want to go see him. Keep that away from me, man. I'm so, good. This one bad dude. Okay. Yeah, that's now, so freaking crazy. Let's talk about uh, a guy named. Uh, Charles uh, Fosser. He was admitted in 1903 at the age of 21 and died in custody in 1974 at the Aww. age of 92. He's basically there his whole life on He was the longest serving patient at the facility as well as the longest serving prisoner in the entire world. What did he do? Uh, so to be locked up his entire life, what he yes. did was he killed and stabbed an elderly man and stole his boots. Oh no. I was like yeah. feeling bad for the guy. Me too. I thought like maybe something was like wrong with him like, like deformed oh, or something. Maybe he had a facial no, difference. He or... ended up killing someone for the boots. Jesus uh, fucking Christ. Well I was on yeah. your side Charles. We, yeah uh, we were willing to give you the benefit of the doubt my guy. Well now we can talk about Bill Wallace admitted in 1926 at the age of 44 remaining in custody until his death in 1989 at age 107. Wow. Goddamn. He was both the oldest patient at the facility and the oldest prisoner in the world. He's uh, He was incarcerated for 64 years, but he was the oldest prisoner, and he's actually in the Guinness Book of World Records as such. Oh, my God. What did he do? He shot an American uh, at a cafe in Melbourne, Australia. Only Americans are allowed to shoot Americans, evidently. I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> that's, what, that's what got him locked up. Really Shots fired, literally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, I'm so sorry. Now, in the eerie confines of Jay Ward at Airedale, visitors often report uh, disturbing experiences. Many feel a sudden onset of illness and an inexplainable sense of fear. Some even enter a trance-like state. Uh, a I'm sorry, spell... that sounds like me when I get up for work. <laughs> <laughs> a feeling of illness and sense of fear. It's very explainable. <laughs> sorry, I cut That's you okay. off. <laughs> when, this, when they enter this trance-like state, apparently like the spell cannot break until they exit the building and then they feel fine again. There are chilling accounts of invisible forces pushing or biting individuals no. as they navigate the ward. Adding to the ward's sinister atmosphere, it's said to be haunted by three spirits of prisoners who were executed and buried there. They were denied a proper burial. Their restless spirits are believed to linger, with their presence eerily signified by three scratches on the prison wall. Dun-dun. Now let's head over to the women's ward. The ghostly figure of Nurse Carrie is said to roam, her presence felt as she watches over the tour guides. This ward is further haunted by apparitions of nurses still clad in their uniforms, wandering the hospital corridors and then suddenly vanishing. Visitors often report a mysterious tingling sensation on the side of their head when entering a particular room, a room with a haunting history as the shock therapy ward. Oh, that's creepy. I knew it. I knew it was going to be the shock (laughs) therapy ward. I knew it. 
Now, George uh, Fittimont was the last... I know, it's a, weird, it's a funny name. George Fittimont was the last governor of the jail. In 1886, George was showing a group of people around the asylum when he started down a set of stairs. Suddenly, George falls to his knees, suffering a major heart attack. He died on the spot. Jesus Christ. These days, tour guides and visitors hear heavy footsteps and banging in the same stairwell. But when they go to take a look, of course, no one's there. Ooh, that's a good story. Visitors to the asylum who walk past the office of former superintendent report a sudden bitter taste in their mouth. A strange sensation indeed, but according to reports, the superintendent named Dr. William L. Mullen became distraught in his life and committed suicide in his office after swallowing cyanide in 1912. That's a fucking wow. horrible way to die. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Any kind of poison. Yeah, just... I can't imagine feeling that low that you feel like you gotta do that yeah. to yourself. I'm sorry, my guy. Yeah, could you imagine being around all these people and like doing yeah. things like shock therapy and lobotomy? I can't imagine. Like, I would. I would not. Ugh, I'm not built for awful. that shit. No, <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not. Like, I'm even not even yeah. being a therapist now has yeah. got to kind of. And you know these asylums? They were built far away from public. People yeah. often lived there, like workers. Like it's a yeah. terrible life. Closing in 1993, its 130-year history, Airedale witnessed the demise of more than 13,000 souls, shit. including inmates, patients, and staff members. Mm. Such a vast number of deaths within its walls have undoubtedly imprinted a profound emotional residue on the structure. It's the lingering aura of sorrow and despair that has led many to regard Airedale as one of the most haunted places in Australia. A testament to its dark past. I think they had like a hundred deaths a year. Wow, that's a I'm lot of deaths. Hundred deaths a year. That's that a is it still standing? Is the structure still the structure there? is there? You can I think on the website there is even a um, 360 uh, walkthrough you can do of the grounds, not on the inside, just the grounds. Uh, um, it is it's very well preserved, uh, very well upkept. You can go and take a tour. Um, I think they do some haunted stuff. Um, they have everything listed. You can see Jay Ward. They have stuff written about the the notable uh, prisoners that were there. All kinds of stuff. So they did a really nice job fixing it up, keeping it the way it was, and preserving this terrible history of Airedale. Wow. I would go. I mean, yeah. like, it's... I Talking about this stuff, I always feel like a complicated Hannah, way. Let me tell you something. <laughs> if you're going, I would go. Yeah. If I would ever have to walk alone in anywhere in there, I'm dead. I'm gonna die of heart attack. <laughs> in the I, same spot as because that Because I wanna keep something that I have, I'm not going alone into Cox Up Guy's cell. <laughs> <laughs> not, not going, going alone in there. anywhere alone. <laughs> Nowhere. <laughs> not in there. Ooh, I don't wanna go in his I'm too sensitive yeah, to go I'm, anywhere alone. I'm, dude, I am psychically so dead. It's like, it's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. I wanna see or feel something so bad and it's just like, it's I know, Jordan's here. I'll, <laughs> I'm like, I'll, no, over there. I'll go, I'll go alone, but I'm not going in that ward. No, I'm not going in that fair. room alone. Not that, Fair. Yeah. Fair enough. I ain't going nowhere alone. <laughs> I just don't. I don't you, know. The ghosts do attract themselves right to you for I, some it's reason. It's because they know I just don't want to deal with that life. No. And I'm just in it to win it. <laughs> <laughs> well, on this uh, disturbingly haunted story, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to have some more haunted asylums. Get ready. Uh, 
This episode is brought to you by The Colony Meadery. If you haven't tried meat yet, it's alcohol made for money, it's all natural, totally gluten-free, and delicious. Colony Meadery is one of the best meaderies in the world, and it's located in Pennsylvania's Lehigh Valley. Stop in and try a flight of meads. Grab some bottles or cans to go, and experience some of the best booze in the world. They have flavors ranging from tart and quaffable lemon laws and Wu-Tang Crayon, to sweet cinnamon vanilla series of tubes, and even sweet heat with their mango habanero. Learn more at colonymeadery.com. Speaking of mead, Ghost Encounters and Colony Meadery did a collab, and we came out with a caramel apple mead called Spooky to the Core. It's scary how delicious this mead is. Grab some today and haunt your taste buds. Ghost Encounters is sponsored by Phoenix Fire Media. Elevate your business with their digital marketing strategies, including their multi-award winning social media marketing, photography, and video production. Phoenix Fire Media, igniting success through creative excellence. Visit phoenixfiremedia.com. If you're enjoying the Ghost Encounters podcast, hit subscribe and give us five stars. To watch full episodes of the Ghost Encounters show, visit ghost-encounters.com. And don't forget, when you're on our website, click on the Spooky Shop for all your Ghost Encounters spooky swag. To stay up to date with Ghost Encounters, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Ghost Encounters PA. To send spooky fan stories, email ghostencounterstories at gmail.com or message us on social. Do you want ad-free episodes of Ghost Encounters Podcast, plus bonus episodes, extra content, and much more? Then you should head to Patreon and be a spooky VIP. Go to patreon.com forward slash Ghost Encounters Podcast and be haunted from all the benefits with the spooky VIP membership. And we are back with these dark, haunted asylums. Hannah, why don't you take it away next? You got one that's in our hometown almost, not it too far is. away. It is, yeah. Uh, I kind of, I like the local picks. Um, for mine, I have researched Byberry, which is the, uh, I guess, sort of the typical name for Philadelphia State Hospital. Okay. I got into a lot of digression here. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, all right. Turn of the century asylums were almost uniformly terrible. They were filthy, overcrowded, understaffed, hellish nightmare spaces where people with mental illnesses and developmental disabilities were dumped by their families, routed in from the poorhouse, or referred for mental health assessment from the prison system. Uh, there were hundreds of these asylums, now renamed state hospitals, quote unquote, across the United States, and Byberry is one of the worst really like it is widely known to be one of it's bad yeah all these as asylums were you you couldn't have said it any better so yeah. overcrowded lack of uh help funding everything like this the states literally like got the funding to build these and then all of a sudden like stopped giving funding yeah and funding like, was withdrawn like there were just way too many people that needed way too much help yeah and everything just started to kind of crumble in. Yep. Um, coincidentally, most institutions were initially opened, like, for compassionate reasons. You know, people really gave a shit. That was the first initial intent, and probably for maybe a few years of these places opening up, it, it was that, but then it just yeah, went down. Yeah, it just it became too much too quickly. Um, the Part of the idea was to get these vulnerable folks 
like out of the hard, dirty living of the cities and into this like peaceful little bucolic farm life where they would move uh, to this state hospital. They would be self-sufficient mm -hmm. and they would just have like this nice restful life to like let their brain heal. Um, but, but that was also placed really far away from the public because the public didn't want to be anywhere near that. Yeah, <laughs> as, as, realistically, you know, the problems of abuse, neglect, overcrowding ended up winning out. Um, people would dump their family members there mm -hmm. if they either didn't feel like caring for them or couldn't care for them. Or if they were any little bit autistic or, or, yeah. ment or uh, mentally challenged. Just yeah, yeah, just it was bad places to be. Um, Byberry was one of the worst state hospitals in the state of Pennsylvania, if not the whole country. Uh, it was built in 1911, uh, created not necessarily to be a self-sustaining community like uh, Aradale was, right. um, but to help with the overcrowding of Blockley, which was another institution housing, you know, the insane, the poor, etc. Uh, after its opening in 1911, ba Byberry was taking almost all of the inmates from Blockley's insane department. Wow. Uh, which was basically their, um, it was, it was like a poorhouse overflow. Oh. So okay. these were people who were so poor that they were not able to take care of themselves and they were just kind of shifted from one institution to another. Um, by 1914, um... Byberry had over 2,500 patients. Holy shit. <laughs> which was its capacity. Um, and we've, it's it's been three years and we already have a problem. Yeah. It's like it started out bad and it just downhill. Um, to address this overcrowding, new staff was hired almost indiscriminately. Just like random people who would come in off the street and ask for a job. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, like nobody was vetted, nobody yeah. was certified, like it was just randos. During World War One, there were about 3,000 conscientious objectors uh, who fulfilled their alternative service which um, that was something that I didn't know about going into this. If huh. you were a conscientious, conscientious objector during World War I, uh, you could essentially fill up the 24 months that it would, uh, where you would be assigned to, to military service. To do something you could, else. Yeah, you could do something else, okay. which was usually like helping in a hospital. Or... See, that's nice compared to now. If you're that, you're just going to get imprisoned. Yeah. Uh, the conscientious objectors were some of the people who brought out the stories of the really frightening shit that was going on at Byberry. Um, some of them even took like little secret photographs, and thanks to them, I guess the the story was really made public. Right. Oh well, good um, for them. Right. Doing something good with that. Uh, what was it? The alternative service. Um, there was when these stories started to come out. There was considerable dissatisfaction from the general public, but there really wasn't that much that was able to be done. Mm -hmm. And the inmates didn't really have anywhere else to go, especially if the place was closed down. So it was just kind of all bad. It was all bad. Yeah. Um, so Byberry stays open. It continues to grow. And by 1947, it was housing 6,700 patients. Holy shit. And you and said capacity was... Capacity was 2,500 patients. Oh, shit. So that was like wow. under 3,000 people. And now we're 
almost at like eight thousand people. Yeah. yeah, it's double. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Shit. So it's just it's it's a hellscape in there. Um, so we've got way too many patients, all with unique needs that staff can't even hope to attend to. Uh, as a result, patients are left unbathed and naked for mm-hmm. weeks at a time. Nothing is cleaned. Uh, floors aren't mopped. Beds aren't uh, beds aren't changed, and the unwashed sheets and floors cause the whole place to just have this horrible miasma of urine, which, like, you would walk into the building and people were just, like, immediately sickened. Oh, my God. Um, Staff often left patients in restraints or isolation for months on end. In the 1980s, which is not that long ago, uh, a patient named William was left tied to his bed for somewhere between 14 months and three years. That's horrible. Uh, In the resulting lawsuit, William's lawyer stated that William was exponentially worse in condition after his time at Byberry than before he had arrived. Well, of course. Uh, Thanks to his lawyer, William was released. However, at least 57 other patients were not so lucky. Um, I just need to pause here and say that 57 is a very low number. Yeah. so, (laughs) So I feel like this is very very much understated and like being covered up yeah uh because there's you know 6500 people living in actual hell and there has to have been so many unreported deaths uh but these 57 deaths specifically were due to patient neglect oh my god uh which yeah they were just Just left in rooms tied to beds left to rot um concerningly as if you know the rest of this was not very concerning uh Byberry had an open door policy which allowed certain patients out into the community as a reward for good behavior um, which could have been nice if there had been any system in place (laughs) to keep track of literally anything uh, because patients just kind of walked out all the time people would just like leave Um, I would have left too dude same I would leave and not come back (laughs) if I was able to I would leave and not come back um People out in the community would often find patients on the lamb from Byberry sleeping out on their lawns, just people sleeping rough. Uh, some folks took this opportunity to escape from Byberry and died by suicide. Jeez. Um, one patient wandered off campus and unable to find a staff member to help him find his way back. He died of exposure. Oh. And I fucking hate all of that. It's That's horrible. Yeah, it's just a massive... Massive human tragedy. I know I watched, like, some documentaries and stuff where they talked about a bunch of, like, quote-unquote asylums and everything, and they had actual videos of, like, some of them and, like, what these people went through and how they, like, lost the ability to walk because they were confined in certain spaces yeah, for so long yeah. and not able to get out and move. Your muscles yeah. atrophy. When, yeah. when we talked about Penhurst, there was a room of cribs, but in the cribs were children as old as three four five six years old because the according to the staff there's just not enough time to put mats down and teach them how to walk Bruh. yeah i mean horrible. i get it when you have 10 staff members for a couple thousand people there's no time but damn yeah uh, just it's just not legal like it's, you know, it's, like it's just not it's mine not today legal. yeah no. that's just horrible to it, do to somebody honestly it probably wasn't even legal then like, yes. <laughs> they just turned a blind eye to it. Yeah, because that's there's nowhere for people to go. Um, but it's just interesting that he had this one has an open door policy, and now patients 
patients, quote unquote, yeah. are wandering the fucking streets yeah, of places. Yeah, just leaving. But at uh, Arendelle, they had haha walls. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah like what the hell? Oh, uh, it all bad, um, and it only gets worse. Um, I was gonna say that that was the worst thing that happened at Byberry, but it still gets worse. Oh hell no! <laughs> uh, I'm laughing, but it's not funny. Um, Byberry treated their patients with something called the water cure. Ah, uh, I know what the water cure is. No, you don't. Well, maybe you do, but <laughs> I I would have thought because I wrote this down because I was like, oh yeah, the water cure where they dunk you in water and you know whatever. Because I have written. You might think that this was possibly somebody being put in too cup, too hot or too cold of a bath, possibly alternating between That's the two. That's what I thought that was. Yes. Because they did do that. They did but... do that. And I think I, I read The Bell Jar when I was in high school, and they did that to Sylvia Plath in The oh, Bell Jar. I love The Bell Jar. This also happened in uh, Nurse Ratchet. Yeah, it did. Which was a great uh, adaptation to... <sighs> it was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's I... Nest, kind of. Kind the of. same character, this... anyway. Well, they... Loosely, yeah, but uh, an adaptation to like probably how asylums were in the beginning stages of asylums. It wasn't like taking place in the bad parts where they after had, the whole you know the like, influx of massive collapse and yeah, everybody's just walking they had, around. They showed like lobotomies and the, those baths. But I want to hear what the water oh. cure is now. Yes. Um, and then when it said it wasn't that, I thought it might have been like a witch trial ducking school. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. But it wasn't that either. Um, an orderly would wet a towel, roll up the towel, wrap the rolled up towel around a patient's neck, and twist the ends together like a tourniquet until the person was choked to unconsciousness. What? Like... I don't understand how that's in any way supposed to be how a cure for anything. How the fuck is that a cure? And not just abuse. Not just torture. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, uh, uh. I was thinking in my head why I don't know anything about these things, and that's why I'm super quiet right now. <laughs> but now I completely understand why I don't give this the light of day, because I just can't handle it. Like, it's it all terrible. It makes me right. so there's sad. Like, there's, like, there's no, one, there's absolutely no science or health anything behind any of these procedures yeah it's like just it's what people want to sad. do yeah. yeah it's terrible this happened to people i gotta look live. up the name of the bath thing because i know they did do like there was a two baths one extreme hot extreme cold and they would put them in alternating and like yeah. try to like shock them it, into being to, not crazy yeah you know uh, it's pathetic that we ever thought something that stupid would work right it's, it's dude, well it's it's the problem pathetic. is in these times the doctor's "Quote unquote doctors mm. uh, that were in charge, it was mainly experimental. Yeah. yeah, you know, like they had theories and they basically used these patient, quote unquote patients, as test subjects for these procedures. We're gonna get into that. Too. Oh, I mean, that's shit. kind of how science is nowadays. We don't I mean, use humans; yeah. we use other yeah. sad things. But at least now, today, we actually like you know." Look at brain scans and think about what things are yeah. before we just start, you know, doing Choking things a to people. Out. Yeah. Like, yeah, actually think about medication, not you know, shock therapy, lobotomies, <laughs> yeah. shit like that. Um, okay, so that I I thought that was gonna be it, it, like it's all bad at Byberry. It's all yeah. bad, all of it. Yeah. Um, another con- another contender for the worst thing that happened at Byberry um, was that. Two orderlies just straight up murdered a patient. 
What? Yeah, just they killed a guy. Straight up killed him. No reason. Uh, they just strangled him to death. And then they blamed this on untreated PTSD from World War One, which is a pretty sick thing to do. Um, because PTSD is a real thing. But yeah, like, it is. Don't no, guys, no. Uh, but they didn't. They didn't lose their jobs and were allegedly promoted. What the fuck? Uh, so that was not the only murder. In addition to the poor, the unhoused, the mentally ill, uh, there were also actual criminals living at Byberry mm -hmm. uh, after the courts ordered them there for psychiatric testing instead of to prison. Testing. Yeah, testing to be tested, which never happened because there was just so much. Yeah. Uh, so murder, assault, sexual violence were all common at Byberry. Uh, in one case, it was only discovered that a patient had been killed when staff discovered that other patients were carrying around her teeth. Oh my, oh my god. Um, yeah, maybe that's actually the worst thing that happened to Byberry. It's just... I'll trade you two molars for a front tooth. Right? It, like, we're all just, we're just taking human lives and throwing them right in the trash. Um... Oh, but it gets... Does it get worse? I don't know. It's all still bad. Um, this is where this this is where I talk about the doctors testing procedures and drugs on patients. Uh, at the time, it was allegedly thought that schizophrenics do not feel pain. Mm -hmm. um, well, if they have a fucking nervous system, they feel pain. Yeah. Uh, so doctors pulled teeth and operated on patients with no painkillers, no anesthesia, no nothing. I can see like yeah. if they're in like a catatonic like state. And they're just like sitting there, just staring off into space. Why somebody would assume that they don't feel pain, but come on. Right. Yeah, I remember what? at um, when we were talking about Penhurst, if a patient uh, bit someone, I think two times was the charm where they would get all their teeth pulled. Oh my god! And no one was yeah, able you, to even teach them this. how to brush their teeth. So their teeth would rot, and so, well, here comes more teeth pulling. It's uh, fucking yeah. horrible. I just don't, I... You just don't get to have It's teeth. just so, this is so traumatic to even yeah. learn about, and these people went through it. It's like a... Yeah, and that's that's not even, like, the only group in history that that's happened to. Mm -hmm. The shit that humans can do to other humans is... It's terrifying. terrifying. Uh, uh, Byberry was finally closed, um, fortunately after an investigation exposed the horrors of all of this. Uh, and it was finally closed forever in 1990. That's so not that long ago. I was born in 1992. Same. Yeah. So two years before me... Uh, was when this asylum actually shut down. Yeah, there were... That took way too long. Way too long. 1911, yeah. Especially when, like, near the beginning... Uh, the conscientious objectors had photos and stories. Yeah, like, and just nothing what? Nothing was done. Nothing I mean, that's kind of like, I keep going back to Penhurst just because it's so close to home and I want to be at that, like, I'm a little obsessed with that story and why I want to go there so bad. Um, but they had the news segment called Suffer the Little Children. Uh... And they even played it on the news. There was outrage and they showed what the conditions were like, what was going on. They compared the cost of living that an animal gets at the zoo was almost twice the amount of the cost of living that a, that a patient gets at Penhurst. And that even took 30 years or so, 20 yeah. years, to get it shut down. Yeah. Crazy. Governments are not people. The wheels grind slow, and they grind yeah. upon 
humans. This episode has made me so depressed. I'm sorry. I'm sitting over here so sad. I, dude, I was Happy reading this and I was sad. It's, dude, it's, it's all bad. It's yeah. all bad. Well, it's the, but this amount, this unfathomable amount of death and uh, awfulness and negative energy is what makes these places so fucking haunted. Yeah, it's all just... And unfortunately, this is how us as humans have to learn how to not be. Yeah. By learning these things and hearing these things yeah, and being true. like, I can't even believe this fucking happened yeah, just... up until the 1990s. And now we finally have different things in place where people aren't straight up fucking abused and yeah. left to rot. Yeah. Uh, fuck, man. I was, so, I was... <laughs> I'm just so like, I'm fuck. sitting here like, this is fucking I don't have, weird. yeah, I... Do we need another break? Uh, just in case. <laughs> just everybody, I'm, dude, I need a drink. Bad. Uh, We're gonna get drinks all right, after this. All right. yeah. Okay. I uh, one. <laughs> so uh, I guess little silver lining here is that Byberry is no more. Uh, closed down. Done. Uh, the empty shell of Byberry then sat, slowly rotting and being consumed by the dense Pennsylvania foliage, uh, before finally being demolished forever in 2006. Get rid of it. Yep. Salt the earth. <laughs> um, it's an embarrassment to even have it standing. It really is. Yeah. Uh, in, a, in addition to being a ghoulish draw for urban explorers, Byberry is said to have been inhabited by some former patients who had sadly returned to the ruins with nowhere else to go. Mm. The major story associated with Byberry, uh, this is like their major ghost story. Uh, it is the story of one such patient, unnamed, uh, rumored by urban explorers to still be hiding in the abandoned tunnels underneath Byberry, uh, either in spirit or in person, mm-hmm. uh, with a knife waiting to slice the throats of anybody unfortunate enough to stumble across him. Oh, shit. Uh, it is rumored that a satanic cult had once taken up residence in the skeleton of Byberry and opened a portal to hell within its crumbling walls. Of course to- they did. <laughs> right? Of course right. they did. To this I say, was it not already a portal to hell to begin with? Exactly. Um, Some explorers uh, have escaped from Byberry with welts and scratches on their skin that they can't explain. Mm. And they attribute this to the paranormal. Uh, Other visitors have reported apparitions and shadow figures flitting through abandoned halls and growls and screams echoing down dark tunnels. That'd be pretty... Creepy. I would be very afraid uh, if I heard something growling in Byberry. Yeah, or screaming down. Like, we went down those tunnels, you just hear screaming down yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, however, uh, any new ghost stories are kind of unlikely, as the former site of Byberry is now a vacant swath of land with not much on it but trees and some stone and concrete remnants of previous structures. In 2021, there were plans to put a warehouse complex on it. Yeah. Because uh, that's what we're building. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks like there are also some condos or like a 55 plus community on the land that is adjacent to where they want to put in those warehouses. I see. Um, and I honestly, I'm just kind of disappointed. <laughs> the structures are gone, but the <laughs> tunnels, like they're underground. So can yeah. we still get to them? I Even don't... today, there's got to be an entrance somewhere. I'm not going. No? Fuck no going down in tunnels where people are going to slit my throat with a knife? That, honestly, I spend a lot of time in Allentown. (laughs) 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 Uh, (laughs) Sorry, shots fired in Allentown. Um, 
some I get it. Some communities are rough, but like, I don't need the ghosties coming to kill me. I well, I will die doing what I loved, <laughs> antagonizing a ghost. <laughs> uh, I I no, I'd fuck with that. I'd fuck that's around. That's crazy. A lot of these asylums had underground tunnels to link the different buildings together. Yeah, yeah. And mm. a lot of them had like you know their own morgues and everything else to yeah bury bodies and for cremation and everything else. Yeah. I'm so depressed. Well, I'm sorry. Hopefully this doesn't get worse. Jordan, you're up next. So I talked a lot last time. So I kind of just did a very common one. It was very, like, short and simple. I'll give a background, and then we'll talk about some ghosts, and then that's it. Cat, done. Let's do it. Nothing too crazy, trust me. This one one also is not too far. New York, right? Mine's like a cupcake round for the last (laughs) two. Compared to what we just heard. Yeah, that was just heavy. (laughs) That was real fucking heavy. (laughs) Okay, I thought mine was rough. Nope. Jeez. Dude, yours at least had, like, good ghost stories. Mine is just like, but eh, of course it's haunted. Everybody died. You can't have much you know? if the building's not there anymore. You yeah. Know? Like, not, many, not many people are actually going there. Yeah. But still. Jordan, take it away. Okay. So I'm going to be talking about Rolling Hills Asylum, which is located in East Bethany, New York. Before becoming known as Rolling Hills Asylum, the property was called um, Genesee County Poor Farm. Um Oof. Rolling Hills is known to be extremely haunted. It's on a shit ton of paranormal shows, it is. by the yeah. way. Yeah. I've heard of this um, one. And it has a fuck ton of paranormal activity, apparently. Resembling a reformatory, a poor house often housed orphaned children, families, the elderly, physically handicapped, mentally unstable, morally corrupt, and even criminals. <laughs> That's direct quote from their website. <laughs> morally corrupt. The definition of a poorhouse, which I know, I didn't know what the fuck poorhouse was when I was Yeah, I, I don't, I've never heard so, that. So, yeah, so a poorhouse is, quote-unquote, an institution where very poor persons were maintained with public funds to include orphans, widows, the handicapped, and minor criminals. It's like Dickensian. It's yeah. just a different name for what's about to come. Yeah. It's yeah. really all it is. And I know that they refer to most of these, like, asylums as poor home, poor houses and stuff like that, yeah. which I've never mm. I've never heard until I did a bunch Either of deep Yeah. It's like your brain is sick or you have no money, so <laughs> you gotta, you got to live in a nasty hole. Yeah. So the people that lived there were required to work. Um, it also helped them pay to live there. Um such farms were common in the United States in the 19th century and 20th century. Institutions like this one were widespread in the United States prior to the creation of the Social Security Program in the 1930s. I thought that was a cute little bit of tidbit of information that, you know, they finally were trying to get their shit together eventually right. in the 30s. Yeah. So I have an official announcement that was dated December 9th, 1826 that appeared in a newspaper. It says... Notice is hereby given that Genesee County Poorhouse will be ready for the reception of paupers. I hope I say that right. Paupers. It's a word. It's a word for poor people. Yeah, paupers. Why couldn't they just say poor it's people? It's already a poorhouse. Yeah. yeah. Okay. On the first day of January 1827, the overseers of the poor of the several towns of the county of Genesee are requested, in all cases of removal of paupers to the county poorhouse to send them with their clothing, beds, and bedding, and such other articles belonging to the poor people as may be necessary and useful to them. So basically we're like, okay, bring their shit, drop them off. Yeah. Just to try to get people to come in there. The people that were eligible to come to the poorhouse were drunkards, lunatics, one who by disease, grief, or accident lost the use of reason from old age, 
sickness so sickness or so weak of mind as to be incapable of governing or managing their own affairs paupers a person with no means of an income and state paupers one who is blind lame sorry i didn't mean to laugh who is <laughs> who is blind lame or old disabled with no income source or a vagrant i'm kind of sad that like the poor people just got dumped here though yeah, like dude you know, the, I mean, at least they had a place to go. Yeah, but like, they didn't have no shelters then. No, I don't, no? I don't think so. Yeah. They didn't have any That's of that where stuff? you went. In this is where you went. Okay, they yeah. had like. See, I didn't know that because, like and... I said before, I don't do any sort of research on any asylums. This stuff is too too deep for me to handle. Even shelters and shit now, like there are a lot They're of people sad. who are yeah. scared to. Oof. Yeah. All bad. The Genesee County Poor Farm. They also called it the county home, like as if like changing oh, the name was going to make it right, sound any yeah, better. Yeah. Was a self-sufficient working farm that spanned over 200 acres, providing food and fuel. That's a Ding huge farm. Yeah. 200 acres. Yeah. So basically, like, they're shipped, sent here, yeah. or dragged here, told to come here because they were poor and didn't have anywhere else to go. But and they were told to they had to work on the farm. There was something that I read that like the residents learned how to like make pottery and okay. like were selling it so that they had extra money to live that's kind of nice yeah it's, theoretically you theoretically know theoretically it sounds like, nice yeah, yeah. just like you're stuck here figure out something to do so their like hobby was going out and probably finding clay from like, the dirt have a little art therapy yeah, yeah. you know they probably didn't give it to them so they found it themselves which was pretty badass of them the actual cost of care for each person was pretty low as per usual for these things mm-hmm. about a dollar and eight cents per week per resident back in 1871 back i mean in, so back then it's not terrible i mean there are stories from like a probably byberry and, and penhurst and those where in the 1950s they were getting that yeah price, you know yeah. what i mean so all of the residents that lived there were referred to as inmates no matter how they were housed there. Very dignified. Yeah. And those that were physically able to work, like I said, would work on the farm. Yeah. This is what I found really cool. They raised pigs. I'm not sure what a Holstein is, but I'm assuming it's, a cow. it's some okay, I'm it's, a cow. Sure it's a cow. Um draft horses, chickens, and ducks. They did some stuff with vegetables, fruits, they even canned jams, jellies, and they had meats that they kept. Hell yeah. It, yeah, like they, it was all a part of their chores. There was a bakery, which I thought was pretty cool. And of course, they had a wood shop where the coffins were made. Of Hell course. Yeah. For those who needed, you know, to be buried. Yeah. At least they buried them in coffins. You know, some places when they're, they're giving just them throwing something them to out. Do, yeah, they just, yeah. They're, they're, teaching the them, they're teaching them skills. Like it's yeah. starting off as a nice story. Like we had, we had a little intent here of, you know, a better life for yeah. yeah. And people. like I said, they used, they, they made these like clay pottery and all that stuff but they also sold the coffins as well yeah which is okay it, it doesn't sound that bad right now yeah it's a little bit of Briarcliff, huh <laughs> yeah a little uh american horror story asylum that was my favorite season don't come for me that's a good one <laughs> <laughs> so they would bury those who had no family and records indicate that um there was once a cemetery there but now you can't find any of that information 
So people don't know exactly where these people were buried. They're definitely buried somewhere on the... I mean, you have 200 acres. That's a lot of land to cover. Yeah. Yeah. But I would assume it would be somewhere near the buildings, you know? Yeah, and that all kind of faded away as stones crumbled and, like, the grass grew and everything, like we said, up here where we live. It's all trees and shit. Yeah. Time takes it all back. Yeah. So even though so far this has sounded so nice and everything, like, the people that work there really didn't care about the residents, the uh, quote-unquote inmates. They just yeah, didn't care about them. Yeah. Um, these people, although they were poor, ill, and sometimes abandoned, do deserve to be remembered, so it's kind of shitty that they don't have right. the cemetery like registry or plot map, Yeah. Um, and they never found it so far. A memorial site was created in the Genesee County Park, and on June 6, 2004, when five headstones dated from 1887 to 1888 were returned to the county. The Genesee County historians dedicated a historical marker honoring those who died while living in the county home from 1827 until the facility was closed in 1974. So it's open for a while. Yeah. Um, there are over 1,700 documented deaths and hundreds are believed to not be recorded. Yeah, I mean, back I feel like they that's, didn't really document things yeah, very well. that's probably how um, it all went down. On purpose. Yeah. You know, I'm sure at least some of that's on purpose. So that's the boring background of Jordan Spiel on Rolling Hills Asylum and how it is and was. When did it become the name Rolling Hills Asylum, though? That's a great question. I have no idea. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> I am like, not going to look it up. I thought it was always just called I'm not Rolling act Hills like Asylum. I yeah, same. I didn't know that it had another... Um, I listened and I watched a lot of um, documentaries and they just kind of referred to them in sync, so I never really figured out when. If somebody knows, I would love to know. But I, Yeah, you know. unless it was just called that like really far after the fact. Yeah. Or yeah. something, you know? Byberry had a lot of names too. They called it a bunch of shit because nobody wanted to be associated. With yeah, it. nobody nobody wanted to copy yeah, that. That happens. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so moving on. Ghosts! Exclamation point. <laughs> 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 on RollingHillsAsylum.com, you can read uh, people's stories, which I think is really badass that they have basically like a whole section that people upload. Yeah, that's awesome. That they like visited and everything. They Fuck have. Yeah. Um, paranormal like you can go in groups to do paranormal things Mm -hmm. um like tours and everything but they also have like prices for if you wanted to do it solo like with whoever and it's yeah it's really cool you should definitely check out their website um so going on with ghosts very popular one one tragic story involves a resident named roy Roy suffered from extreme giantism, a physical deformity that left his face deformed, his hands and feet oversized, and his height was well over seven feet. Wow. Roy was the son of a prominent banker in New York, of course, and he was sent to live at the asylum because his family considered him to be an embarrassment. Terrible. Well, they're fucking an embarrassment. Yeah. So he was brought to the asylum when he was 12 and died there at the age of 62. He loved opera music and was known in the asylum to be kind, gentle-hearted, you know, just a, like an overall really kind person. Cool a gentle, person. A gentle yeah. giant, if you exactly. will. Exactly. Roy, no. I'm going to Google him. Are there any photos? They have um, apparition pictures and stuff like that. Oh, Damn. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my God. Imagine seeing, like, a seven-foot... And I'm talking, like, you can, like, they put it to scale, like, where they take the picture and you can see, like, he's, like, all the way up damn. past a door frame. God yeah. damn. Yeah. God damn Roy. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 
Today's visitors um, see his tall shadow lurking throughout the building. One story reported by Weird New Jersey told by the owner of the building, Sharon. Um, so the, I'm just going to put that little trigger warning in right here because it talks about death of an animal. So okay. Trigger warning just, this whole episode. I read yeah, this. Seriously. I read this and I was like really depressed. You know, I love animals. So I just want to put that little trigger in there. Sharon tells a story about running into a rat in the infirmary about two months after moving into Rolling Hills. Terrified by it, she screamed and ran away. The very next day, she found the rat dead by the stairs, blood oozing from its mouth as if its neck had been broken. On the wall above the rat was a giant bloody handprint. Sharon believes that this was the ghost of Roy witnessing her distress and killed the rat for her. Damn, Roy. Yeah. He's just trying to help. Yeah. Yeah. Others at the asylum uh, were not so kind, obviously, liking the power that they held over people in the asylum. One of the nurses in the infirmary, Nurse Emmy, bitch. Why is it always got to be one of these people? Like, There's always that, like a bad nurse yeah, or a bad doctor. Like in the last, in the Gettysburg fuck. one, fuck that bitch too. Yeah. yeah. Certain people find Ozier their ways whatever into, yeah. yeah. They find their ways into these jobs where they just have power They should not people. be working and, in these jobs. Yeah. Got it that people, I suppose. Yeah. But anyway, Nurse Emmy was known for her cruelty. She was a mean bitch. <laughs> she was feared by many of the inmates and and also the staff, and was even rumored to have performed satanic rituals and black magic on the other residents. Jeez. So the other inmates, whatever you want to call them. I love how she's got like a cute little name, too. Yeah, Emmy the cult. <laughs> Nurse Emmy the Satanist. <laughs> Reports have circulated that Nurse Emmy still walks the halls of Rolling Hills. Um, as visitors hear a cackle-like laugh coming <laughs> from the infirmary today, I'm pretty Fuck. sure Zach Baggins, or Baggins, however you pronounce his last name, he caught a cackling laugh at Rolling Hills. That's that was like season cool. four or something ridiculous right, back yeah. when it was good. There have been other reports of cruelty from staff members, but the residents of the asylum did their best in sticking together and protecting each other. Oh. I thought it was pretty badass of yeah. them to be there for one another another paranormal hotspot in the asylum is a room known only as hattie's room this room has captured voice recordings of an elderly woman yelling hello (laughs) i think that that's like i like when i first read it yeah i wanted to believe that that was cute but then i was sad when i read the rest oh no here it comes it is believed that this is the voice of a former patient named hattie who was blind and used to yell hello all day and night to get attention of the staff and nurses oh poor girl yeah old lady Yeah. yeah old lady poor old lady another location is the second floor men's dormitory it is referred to as the shadow hallway oh it is a fitting name since the hallway is where visitors see a bunch of like shadow figures moving about so they'll like be like looking down and you'll just see like people poking out of the rooms oh and then but then you'll see them cross too so they just like it looks like people are just like straight up time square in it you know they're just like walking (laughs) all over the place yeah that would freak me the fuck out i'll be honest um yeah they walk in and out of the doorways like i said across halls peek out from behind the doors and even sometimes are seen crawling across the floor no that's even worse yeah that worse. that would throw me up a little red flag i'd take (laughs) off running probably bad news (laughs) the psych ward and solitary confinement locations in the asylum are some of the most sinister iron brackets protrude from the cement walls of a small room in the basement which is believed to have been used to shackle the unruly inmates yeah, I was going to say, this is where they beat your ass Yeah. 
The owner explained the horror of this and that it wasn't always just the criminals who were being locked up there. She says, quote, Back in the day, they didn't understand that you probably had a medical issue, Alzheimer's, epilepsy, Tourette's syndrome, Asperger's syndrome, or you were just an unruly wife. Back oh. then, if a man couldn't control his wife, he'd say, quote again, I'm going to lock you up. There are many, many reasons why they would lock you up, so this area is not good, end quote. Wow. It's, it's all bad. Yeah. yeah. All bad. Pretty shitty. I would love for, if I had a husband, them to say that they're going to lock me up. Go ahead, bitch. You'd smack the shit Try out of Try it. Try it. The only place they're going to take me is outside, and I'm going to tell them that you're shitty, and then I'm going to go back inside and sleep peacefully. <laughs> Jordan's going to throw <laughs> your ass out the house. Bye. You can sleep with the inflatable Jack Skellington in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> So the morgue, of course, is another hotbed for ghostly activities um, in the asylum. In this room, there is a large embalming table, two large refrigerators, and a huge steel sink. The morgue is full of paranormal activities, such as items being moved, disembodied voices, and visitors even report being shoved down to the cold tile floor. Oh, shit. Damn. So they're roughed up when they go in there. I'll go sit in the morgue. Yeah. Yeah. I'll go sit in the morgue. The rolling, it doesn't seem like Rolling Hills was all that terrible compared to you guys, but apparently it was shitty enough for people to linger, you know, and stick around and unfortunately feel like they have nowhere else to go. Yeah. All bad. And they're still there. Yep. There is a cool fact. Oh, no. Okay. Hannah? Oh, oh, okay. Something that you have. Uh, okay. So, yes. Um, a couple of years ago on Instagram, uh, I found for sale by this guy... Uh, his name is Cole, and he does, his little business is Crooked Teeth Keys, where he sells, like, antique keys, antique locks, oddities, etc., etc. Yeah. Super fucking cool. He didn't tell me to plug him or anything, but <laughs> I, I think his shit is cool. Um, but he had listed for sale an antique key to the women's ward in uh, Somerset and Bath Lunatic Asylum. Oh, wow. From over in the U.K., and I, I nerded out so hard about this uh, to my fiance that he bought it for me. Oh, so she has a key to the women's ward of Somerset and Bath. Lunatic you know what? Asylum. Now, if I would have bought something like that, I would have had attachments. I would have had fucking shit moving around in my house. Like. I, I'm not gonna say that I wanted that to happen because but you secretly kind of. But I secretly wanted it to happen. I think you were going to do this one, but there wasn't enough I, yeah. info and not long enough Yeah, there wasn't a whole... Yeah, I, I had initially podcast. looked into doing, like, a whole bit on Somerset and Bath, uh, but when I looked it up, like, I didn't get a whole lot of stuff on hauntings, which was kind of a bummer, because the place... Had, like, the, the building's still standing. It's just been turned into, like, luxury apartments. Aww. Oh, shit. And that's... Again, I am just unfailingly disappointed um, yeah, <laughs> that, very much that sound. However, um, I was actually thinking of this listening to your story about Rolling Hills, uh, because there's this big project over in the UK that they're doing, um, with the cemetery, uh, around Somerset and Bath, where a lot of the, the patients, the inmates, whatever, were buried. Um, they found a bunch of burial records. Oh, and cool. like now, at least they found something. Yeah, yeah, they found yeah they found records. So they've been like very methodically going through and numbering plots and uh, 
putting down little plaques and well, art installations and giving people at least some of the dignity that they deserved in yeah. life uh, that they now have in death. So uh, there's a little bit of a positive note there. Yeah. Wow, uh, we need some positivity here. This is this shit's depressing as fuck. Yeah, yeah it's all yeah. it's all fucking. Really this was sad. A, this, so yeah, sad. this was a rough, sad, tragic episode. Yeah, I almost wish I told my story first because now I'm just so fucking mellow and so yeah. like sad, melancholy. Yeah. I, I hope say. we didn't make your hangovers worse. <laughs> we did. <laughs> we definitely we did. definitely did. All right, let's try to lighten things up. Let's go to the part of the podcast for the spooky fan story. I am going to do this one because we are going back to Australia. And you talked about Australia. Yeah. Yeah. This was really cool. Jordan, you got this email um, from this person from Australia. and They had a picture attached to it too, right? Yes. So let's, uh, let's get into it. She says, hey, Ghost Encounters. I discovered your podcast about three months ago. My name is Chantel. I'm 29 years old from Melbourne, Australia. I have always had an interest in the paranormal. Hi, Chantel. Well, Chantel, thank you. Before I read it, thank you so much for sending in your spooky fan story. Thank Love you it. for listening to us and sharing the podcast around. Thanks for the spooky fan story. Uh, we need more of them, so people, please yeah. send them in. And I love this part of the podcast. Yes. Uh, but her story continues. Firstly, I have some stories to share of my own sleep paralysis experience. My first sleep paralysis experience happened in 2009. I was 14 years old at the time, having a sleepover at my friend's house. It was mentioned a few times by her and her family that they had encountered some strange things happening in their home. Items being moved, lights turning on, etc. Nothing overly sinister though. She had two siblings, an older brother and a sister. Her sister had recently moved out and her brother was out this particular night. She also lived with her parents. When I slept in her house, we would both sleep in her bed. Can I just say that she was oblivious to everything and <laughs> sleep like a, and slept like a rock. Where her bedroom was situated in the house, it was part of a hallway. In this hallway, you had access to her siblings' rooms, a living area which had double doors to close it off, a bathroom, and a laundry at the end. To enter this hallway, you had a sliding door. I could not sleep this particular night as all I could hear was fast-paced footsteps going up and down this long hallway and the sliding door open and closed for about two hours. Wow. Somehow I eventually fell asleep, but I was terrified. Her parents were 100% asleep in their room, which was quite a distance from where we were. We asked them in the morning if it was one of them. They said no. Her siblings were also not home. Not long after this occurred, I had another sleepover. This time I experienced my first sleep paralysis. Obviously, you were all aware of what happens during this experience. I was terrified and have never heard of this phenomenon. Oh, man. My eyes felt like they couldn't open properly. I could not move. I could not speak. I could barely breathe. This just happened to me the other night where I was opening and I was going in and out. And yeah, I could you were see saying. my sleep paralysis demon's ugly <sighs> fucking face. So I feel yeah. your pain. It felt as though something was sitting on top of me. I broke out of it after a few minutes. But, all caps, that was not my most terrifying sleep paralysis. In July 2022, I experienced, I'd say, my fourth and most horrifying paralysis. Myself, my husband, and our two children went on a two-day getaway to a little country town called Mirabu. Adorable. It sounds like a nice name. It's just over an hour away from where I live. From the moment I walked into the Airbnb, which was a self-contained two-bedroom unit, on the owner's property, I felt quite not right. The room had two single beds in it and its blinds completely closed. 
It was very dark. I got an uneasy feeling as soon as I entered the room. Trust your feelings. Hit the dips. That's what you should have done. <laughs> Girl, run. I had to open the blinds immediately. My husband and I decided that he would sleep in the double bedroom with our three-year-old daughter, and I would sleep in the single bedroom with our 22-month-old son in the porter cot. That first night, I was exhausted and could not wait to go to sleep. However, I could not sleep. Oh, no. I laid in the bed from around 10 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. awake. Finally, I felt myself dozing off and... Hello, the sleep paralysis begins. Oh no. I like how she I like how she's telling this story. Yeah. I'm really having a good time. The usual experience, as mentioned before, except this time I had to pull myself out of it four times, and each time I would hear a man's voice getting closer and louder to my face saying, Ah I was terrified and just wanted it to stop. So I built up I can't even read the sentence. I, I started laughing before you read it because we're all reading it. I read it ahead. She said, <laughs> so I bailed on my son and jumped in bed with my husband and daughter in the other room. Oh my god. <sighs> That's do what you gotta do, Chantel. No judgment. <laughs> we're definitely not gonna judge you here. No. The second night I made my husband sleep in that room. He didn't experience anything strange. There was definitely something not right in there. Lastly, I want to share a creepy photo of an old friend of mine from 2007. The photo was taken on an old Nokia phone in her bedroom. It has not been tampered with in any way. The ghost that appears in the photo is apparently her auntie on her mother's side. She passed away from lung cancer due to being a heavy smoker. If you look closely at the image, there appears to be a cigarette in her mouth. My friend experienced all sorts of weird shit in her house. Thank you guys for taking the time to read my stories. Keep up the awesome work. Stay spooky. Chantel. Yay! <laughs> That's awesome. I love Chantel. All, all these stories are there ever. They always say the stay spooky. I love, I love that. Spooky. Yeah, so this was like three, almost three spooky fan stories in one. I love yeah, that. I had that it. experience Paranormal. as a kid from the, the footsteps and the closing of the sliding door, the sleep paralysis and the sleep paralysis at the Airbnb. And, and then this, this creepy photo that you sent us was really cool because you can yeah. clearly see. Something oh, yeah. is definitely behind yeah. her. And she does have a little... Yeah, you can see... It looks like a white thing like in her a, mouth. You can see an adult woman's face behind her friend, and it looks a bit like like the, the figure was like moving suddenly or something, but you can yeah. see that there is a cigarette in her mouth, too. It, that's such a cool paranormal photo. Yeah. Also, she has side bangs. 2000s, man. Yeah. 2007, <laughs> what a prime bangs. time. It hit different. What a time <laughs> to be alive, people. Yeah. Well, Chantel, thank you again for sending in this spooky fan story, and thank you again for sending in that uh, very spooky paranormal image that you attached to yes, it. Yes, thank you. I love this how was this the... was written. Yeah, yeah. I could like imagine too. everything. And yeah, see it was it. written like someone was just like kind of speaking this to you. And yeah, this was the first time we had a photo attached, which was yeah. really cool. Super Top cool. notch. Yeah, really. So, thank you again, and thank you for being a fan. And uh, yeah, this is great. This is a great story. Yeah. All you other fans, uh, we dare you to try and top Chantel's story. Yeah. We dare you. It's a hard one to top. <laughs> yeah. Try us. Try us. And what's dope is that she's from Australia. Yeah. Writing yeah. to us in America, which I think is so cool. Yeah. That's I like awesome. geeked out. I sent it to you guys right away. I'm like, oh, yeah. 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 If we ever go to Australia, we gotta meet her and say hi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll buy you a cup of coffee. 
I'll hold me to it. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and, well, thank you all for listening. Thanks for going through this tragic podcast episode with uh-huh. us. Um, as always, please share around, give us five stars, follow us on social, all that stuff. It really helps us out. And uh, yeah, this I guess this is it. This yeah. is all, I'm gonna we're gonna go get a drink. Yeah, I need yeah. A, I need I need yeah. some stiff because <laughs> I am I'm depressed. I'm very right. sad today. Let's do it. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Stay spooky. Have a good, healthy New Year, and don't smoke cigarettes. Uh-huh.